Good morning, Knox. I hope you are well out there. Miss you, miss your shining faces. It's my honor to bring a word from the Lord to you today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. But Lord, even during a global pandemic, even amidst violent political upheaval, even without a worship pastor and a senior minister, don't you relate to Thomas when he asks, but Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Honestly, I feel for the disciples so much as they walked with Jesus during his years on earth. They had absolutely no clue as to what was happening, nor did they have the resources to get themselves out of the pickle they often found themselves in. For example, when Jesus casually says he wants to hop in a boat and go to the other shore, knowing full well that in a couple of hours, their faith would be tested in a life and death situation. Unknowingly, the disciples say, sure, Jesus, let's go. We're fishermen. Finally, something we know we can do. Theologians call Jesus the second Adam because he touched on their collective memory of the Old Testament prophets as he walked with the disciples, revealing that he was the one true God, Yahweh, setting things right, often redeeming Israel's past and showing them the compassion and love of God in ways that took their breath away. For example, the disciples would have known the story of Jonah, who ended up in a terrible storm due to his rebellion against God. As we know, even the sailors prayed to God for forgiveness as they tossed Jonah overboard to what they knew was his certain death. I wonder if the disciples also worried what they had done in order to have caused this terrible storm and called upon Jesus in desperation to do something and sat in soggy amazement when Jesus addressed the crowds and the wind and the rain to simply stop. Or consider the crowds that approached Jesus as he went up to the mountainside to teach the Beatitudes. Matthew's Gospel notes that after he finished teaching, the crowds were amazed as he taught with true authority. I wonder as they walked home if they realized they were in the presence of the I Am, Yahweh, the great Jehovah. This is the same God that their forebears couldn't even touch the foot of Mount Sinai for fear of death as Moses climbed the mountain to hear from the Lord and receive his commandments. Here they were free to walk right up to him on the mountain and listen to his words with their own ears. In today's passage, there is no precedence from the Old Testament prophets to lean on for the disciples to help them out of their confusion. Jesus says, I want to let you know that it's time for me to go, but we'll soon be reunited and that everything will be okay since you already know how to get there. This same Jesus that calms the seas, this same Jesus that heals our diseases and allows the crowds to gather close is preparing a spacious place for us in his Father's house where we will dwell with him forever. I love that God knows that fear is our gut reaction to everything that comes our way and goes out of his way to reassure us. Do not fear. Do not let your hearts be troubled. God doesn't reprimand us for being afraid, shame, or mock us for worrying. Instead, he says, believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus patiently explains, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The disciples already know Jesus because they were chosen to witness his words and actions for the past three years. These works were the visible signs and the miracles he performed by praying to his heavenly Father. Jesus even appeals to them twice, saying, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, that he and the Father were one and the same. I'm grateful for Thomas in this passage with his honest question. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know how to get there? As we continue to celebrate Epiphany, when the Magi follow the star to see Jesus, let us also look to the Magi as they in faith set out on a long and uncharted journey that led them to worship at the feet of the Messiah. How can we know the way? We have the promises of God to us written in the Old Testament to show us the way. Let's remember what Susanna Montz preached to us a few weeks ago, that the fulfillment of God's promises will likely take longer than expected. God is still working out today the promises he made to Abraham in Genesis 15, that his descendants would number the stars in the sky. As Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. We have also been given the parables and teachings of Jesus as God revealed to us in human form. I listened to a talk this past fall from Reverend Dr. Cheryl Bear, an indigenous sister from Vancouver, teach us from Luke 18 about the parable of the persistent widow. As Jesus told the story of how the widow appealed incessantly to an unjust judge. The judge finally granted her wishes, not because he was a God-fearing or just judge. He was simply looking out for himself and didn't want to be bothered by her anymore. Cheryl stated that there have been generations of pain and suffering of Indigenous peoples in Canada in the past, as well as in the present. And therefore, she anticipates it will take generations to bring about healing and justice to her people in the future. She doesn't expect to see justice in her lifetime, nor in the lifetime of her sons or her grandchildren. She looks to the persistent widow in Luke 18 and sees her as her great, 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 great granddaughter. That's a long view of justice. We are to do the same. We are so impatient for God to bring justice today, right now, that we are unwilling to see our role as part of the grand narrative of God. There is the phrase, the now and the not yet, that helps describe where we are situated in God's story, meaning we are somewhere in the journey in between and not yet arrived. We are somewhere on the journey towards the Father, towards justice, towards the fulfillment of God's covenant with us, towards shalom. We are living in a time of astounding division in society and the church in the USA, and I would also say Canada. I believe we as the church in North America are at a crossroads. We have a choice. We can stop passively coasting in our faith, truly repent of our superficial spirituality, dig into scripture, and nourish our relationship with Christ. Or not. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? 
Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Are we satisfied with simply seeing God, but not really knowing him? Do we wish to settle for a malnourished relationship and understanding of God? What does it take for, to be us to be in Christ and truly know God? We can't do this alone, but by believing in Christ as he is in the Father and the Father is in him, through the power of the Holy Spirit, together with the body of Christ here at Knox and around the world. Not only does Christ promise that we can truly know the Father through him, did you catch that Jesus said we will also do even greater works than he did? Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Incredible that Jesus left and actually needed to leave in order for us to do even greater works through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ entrusted us to continue his good work and spread the faith. How? How should we live in the now and the not yet? I love the quote by Dr. Purtis Perry. To know your place, you have to create it. We're not done. We're not dead. We can create new spaces to exist in. Choose your place. Choose it wisely. And make sure you find a space that makes this place a better one. The scary fact is that change is inevitable. The good news is that Jesus' purpose on earth was to show us the way to the Father and be put to death for our sins. Death did not conquer him, but he rose from the dead into resurrected life. We can therefore have hope that whatever change we see as ending what has been, even if it was good, we can have faith that God means for us to have new life in Christ. Here's a portion from the Knox vision statement of what it looks like to follow Jesus. In order to grow, we must begin with loving and helping each other as we follow Jesus together. We are not perfect. We have not arrived. Following means journeying, growing, struggling, sacrificing, even suffering. But we can rest in the knowledge that he is with us along the way. We can't prevent change. But praise the Lord with me for Hebrews 13.8 that declares that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I would like you to do three actions with me right now. Looking left, up, and to the right. Let's look left with me. When we look left, we are looking to the past. Are we grieving, grateful, sad, nostalgic, frantic, frustrated, angry, or bitter? Let's consider where we have been these last 200 years as the body of Christ at Knox. We have just enjoyed a wonderful farewell Zoom party for Phil and his family last week as they move and begin pastoring another church. Nick prayed a a beautiful prayer of blessing and release so they can continue flourishing with God in their lives. What about us? What prayers of forgiveness and release do we need to pray at Knox? Now look up. We are looking at today. What or who are we looking at? The circumstances around us or Jesus? What emotions are we feeling? It's good to remember where we have come from, but we need to believe that Christ is our Lord today, and we are speaking God's word, and he will never leave us or forsake us. Who is Knox today, and are we we speaking God's word now more than ever?
What is Jesus asking us to do now and not wait? If people ask us to show them the Father, do they witness our words and actions and move closer to belief in Jesus? Now, lastly, let's look right. We are looking at the future. As the Magi made their way towards the Messiah, we also yearn for the fulfillment of God's promises to us, but sometimes we lose our way, and even perhaps we lose hope. It's tempting to be satisfied with just seeing the Father, but not truly knowing God in a deep way. Do not let your hearts be troubled. God sees you. Now let's look at the previous verse in Hebrews 13:7, where it says, Remember your leaders, who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. God has blessed us with incredible pastors in the past. We treasure our pastors here in the present, and we have faith that God will provide amazing pastors for us in the future. We must remember that God has also provided and ordained faithful, godly, and wise elders to lead us. We also have each other as companions along the way. I pray we continue to lead lives of faith, to live fully in Christ, to truly know God and give him all the glory. I promise it will be a life worth living. Yes, and amen. I would like to finish by reading a prayer called My Prayer These Days by Sarah Burns. Lord, do whatever you need to do in me so you can do whatever you want to do through me. Do whatever you need to do in us so you can do whatever you want to do through us. What do you need to tear down, break off, shake up, empty out, overthrow, overhaul, undo, uproot? We're here and we're ready. We're waiting. We're asking. We just want more of you. What's in the way? What's holding us back? What's got to go? What's blocking the path? We loosen our grips. We open our hands. We widen our hearts, make room to expand. You search us and know us. You see us and meet us. You purge us and cleanse us. You prune us and peel us. Whatever, however it comes, whatever the cost, whatever it takes, whatever is lost. You're worth it. You're good. You love us. You've got this. So, yes. We trust you to do whatever you need to do in us so that what you can do, whatever you want to do through us. Lord, have your way. I'd just like to give you a couple of questions for reflection for a few minutes now as we consider what we just heard and what God is saying to you. First question is, what or who are we looking at? The circumstances around us or Jesus? Question number two, is there an area of your life you hope to grow in, in your belief in God? <laughs>